The following guided meditation was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Good evening, everyone. I always feel <clears throat> it's a minor miracle that we have this time to gather and to, I mean, for a group of human beings to gather on a Friday evening to explore what is the effect if we work together, use the community energy, and in this meditative training, we're on purpose keeping love in mind. Because in a way, the real danger, the real... I guess problem or enemy in human life is that our attention gets hijacked in ways that isn't helpful. So we end up worrying about things we really don't need to worry about or fantasizing about things that just feed greed in the heart or something like that. And, uh, but when we study our own heart, we realize that the heart, the mind, it has this capacity to keep in mind, to keep our attention on what's truly wholesome. And so for tonight, we can use the theme of loving kindness. And just, you know, <laughs> through studying our own heart, just how can I keep that tender-hearted, forgiving, quality of mind, in mind. How can I practice not forgetting, not taking the many off-ramps into worrying, into judgment, into rage? And it's not in any way a kind of judgment that that other activity of mind is bad. <clears throat> it's just more that there's a group of human beings that are interested in the very real cause and effect. What happens to my mind, my heart, when I keep compassion in mind? In a way, we're feeding the attitude, the quality of love, by keeping it in mind. This is a little pointing out we get from the Buddha's teachings that these wholesome qualities of mind, like compassion, tenderheartedness, forgiving, these wholesome qualities grow, deepen, broaden when they're seen as they are. In the same way, if we have that clear, balanced awareness of unwholesome qualities, it tends to weaken the unwholesome, just as it tends to strengthen the wholesome. <clears throat> and this is something we want to check out for ourselves. Is this actually true? And it isn't, it's really important, you know, all of us, because we've been fed a bunch of bull, basically, about love through our lives and our, you know, different teachings we've received. And uh, it's really important that we undertake a really pragmatic, independent, approach to understanding what to do with this human life and more specifically what to do with this human heart and how we can grow and develop, strengthen the kind of qualities of heart that are actually healing and dependable and useful for the wider world and how we can weaken and uproot the kind of heart qualities, mental qualities that aren't good for me and aren't good for anyone. And this is really the, the training we find in the Buddhist teachings. And of course, it's not exclusive to the Buddhist teachings. He was just someone with a really powerful capacity to articulate his own independent work, where he took his own heart and mind and used it to study the heart and mind. So before we settle in, it's just nice in these sort of settings for us just to take a moment 
and acknowledge the ground we're sitting on, you know, even though we're not in the same space. We're sitting on this planet. Here in Minnesota, you know, in so many ways, we're sitting on land, indigenous land, in my case, the Dakota people, and further north, the Ojibwe, Anishinaabe people, who took care of this land for a long, long time. And this country, sitting on the land of this country, built to a large degree on the backs of enslaved people for many centuries. And of course, there are many, 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 many layers of oppression and suffering. It didn't begin here on this continent, of course. So many reverberations. And the the point of doing this reflection of kind of grounding our spiritual work in the reality that we're inhabiting is just to, because so much of what we have to work with when we are fortunate enough to have a little time to sit down in a comfortable posture, turn inward. Of course, we're going to feel all of the reverberations of the cultural trauma, the historical trauma, the reverberations of the particular time and place, the pandemic, the disturbances in our social and political lives, the disturbances in our family lives. And of course, we'll feel the benefit of any harmony that we have with our friends and family and wider communities. So we say, you know, we kind of open up to the present moment, we feel the body, but the body, it's like the skin of a drum. It's just, it's just reverberating everything that's moving in and around us through history arriving in this moment, feeling like what it feels like for each of us with our specific cultural, ethnic, racial, gender locations, identities. We're just these very sensitive creatures. And it's one of the things, the first things we discover taking on the Buddhist teachings and the practices is it is not easy being a sensitive human being. That's why we need community. That's why we need to tap into joy. And interestingly, in terms of what we're going to do tonight, compassion, which is basically using the truth of suffering as a meditation object, but relating to the truth of suffering in our own lives and the lives of others around us, using it as a meditation object, relating to the suffering with that tender-heartedness, that feels good. It's a kind of paradox, I know. Acknowledging the truth of suffering actually is stabilizing, enlivening, and ultimately liberating. In the same way that undertaking strategies of denial and um, blaming, it's deadening and it's stressful and, as we sometimes say, it eats our heart out, running away from the truth of our shared existence. So with that in mind, we'll do a sit for about 35 minutes, then we'll do a little stretch. And then we usually take the last half an hour or so, and uh, we decide to be responsible together for the learning we've had. Like, how do we see love moving in our lives? What have we learned? What's in the way? So I'll kind of introduce that open discussion time after this stretch. But first, let's take our time to settle in. Listen to your body. Do what you need to do to soothe and settle the whole system as best you can. And of course, we all know that it won't be perfect, but we do the best we can.
And that might include some longer, deeper breaths in and out. And just as if a dear, dear friend, benefactor, loved one were to place their hands on our shoulders or touch our back or whatever might feel supportive, we can have the same sense with this easy, deep breath in and out, a real self-soothing self-settling. Breathing in in a way that feels good in the body and then breathing out in a way that feels good in the body. And just keep adapting and adjusting. Listen and respond so you're really taking care both the body and then energetically on this energetic and emotional level as well. I care enough about this life, this body, this heart to breathe in in a thoughtful, tender-hearted way and to breathe out in a thoughtful, tender-hearted way. And eventually Allow the breathing to continue on its own. And as you sense the breathing body here, perhaps just feeling some gratitude that the body knows how to breathe. We don't need to oversee it. And however the breathing process is, we just trust the body to do the breathing. And keep sensing the sitting body, the breath and the depth of all that can be felt here in the sitting body, energetically, emotionally, physically, the full range of the experience here. And it might become abundantly clear that it isn't easy being a human being And you can just repeat this to yourself silently a few times, something like, it really isn't easy being a sensitive human being. It isn't easy feeling what's here to feel right now giving permission for whatever needs to move, to move now. It isn't easy. Staying open and exposed to the heart and body. But I care enough for this life do my best to stay awake, to 
do my best to stay open and to simply feel what's here to feel now. In a sense, giving permission for everything to move without imagining that I know it or I know how it should move. No expectations, no agenda except to be open and to feel and to allow. Even without using the word forgiveness in a very real and direct way, we're forgiving the body, we're forgiving the heart, the mind, and really we're forgiving the world for being the way that it is right now, feeling the way that it feels. And it comes from this deep truth that I don't want to be the one who resists. I don't want to be the one in denial anymore. It's too heavy. So instead I forgive myself. I forgive this body, this heart and world for being the way that it is. Almost as if the good heart is realizing that forgiveness is an act of self-love. I no longer want to be the one who's afraid or tight, rageful. So as best I can, I forgive this body and all of its tightness. As best I can, I forgive this heart, any numbness, any rage, any pain whatsoever. I forgive this mind and I forgive this world, my friends, my enemies, understanding how all of us are swept away by so many causes and conditions. The tug, the push of our cultural conditioning, our animal conditioning, all these conditioning forces that make things the way that they are. Doesn't mean that things are okay the way that they are. It just means that in this moment, I choose to practice forgiveness putting down the load of resentment, of hatred, putting down the load of disconnection. As best I can, I forgive myself, I forgive others, and I forgive the world. As best I can, I offer forgiveness all around. So feel free to use your own words. We'll have several minutes now of silence. And just find your own creative ways to keep this reflection on forgiveness going. It can be really simple, it can be wordless even.
but be willing to be a little creative as you tune into the wholesomeness of forgiveness. As best I can, I forgive this imperfect world. I forgive as best I can my imperfect enemies, my imperfect dear ones and friends, family. And I forgive my imperfect self, this body, this tender heart here, as best I can, I forgive myself. And we keep practicing forgiveness in creative ways until we sense this generous quality of compassion this capacity right here in our own heart to embrace our lives, to embrace our world with compassion. I care about suffering. I'm learning not to be afraid to be close to my own suffering, the suffering of all my dear ones, and the suffering of the world. May the deepest wisdom and love protect us all. So whenever you feel that strength of heart, that generous, expansive, fearless strength of heart that Seems like it has a really honest relationship with the truth of suffering, your own, <clears throat> the suffering around you that you're aware of. Then practice abiding. In a way, we learn to rest, trust it, and really feel the expansive quality of that love of compassion. can even sense it filling the space of the body, the heart and mind, kind of fearless, radiant, generous love that isn't 
confused by the truth of suffering, doesn't expect the world to be different than it is. And you might need initially a phrase or phrases to help keep compassion in mind. Something like, I'm not afraid of the truth of suffering. May the deepest wisdom and love protect us all. But of course, just come up with your own word or words. And we use these supportive phrases to help keep the truth, the actual experience of compassion in mind. So we can really sense how it grows and expands and we learn how to rest in the great space of the compassionate heart and allow it to have its healing effect. So again, we'll take some silent time for you to practice creatively on your own.
You can always begin again. Something simple, recognizing I care about suffering, the suffering right here in this heart. I care about the suffering in all my dear ones, my dear friends and family. I care about the suffering in the world. I care enough to stay close, undefended, open, to feel what it feels like to be right here in the middle, honest about the truth of suffering. I care enough to allow this beautiful wish to arise in my heart May the deepest wisdom and love protect us all. Guide us as we learn how to take care of each other better. May the deepest wisdom and love protect us all. And see if you can notice the stability and the radiance of compassion. It's really possible to abide in that expanded, stable attitude of love. And if your own suffering is what seems really real and apparent, then let the practice have more of the flavor of self-compassion. And at other times, the compassion will feel able to hold the whole world. nothing left out. Even our enemies and their suffering will touch the heart.
And compassion turns out to be a beautiful, enlivening way of being. We're not getting sucked into the truth of suffering. We're feeling quite stable with the heart's care, the heart's really beautiful wish. May this suffering be alleviated. My own suffering, the suffering of others. May the deepest wisdom and love protect us all, guide us all. And it might even, you might even discover how good it feels for the heart to break open in this tender-hearted way, not being afraid of being sensitive, not being afraid of caring. May the deepest love and wisdom protect us all. And for the last few minutes of our practice tonight, be especially interested in the sense of the space of compassion. So there's this tender-hearted quality of compassion, but really notice its spacious, boundless quality. Keep that in mind as best you can that sense of compassion filling the entirety of the space of the heart, space of the mind. Boundless, generous, not holding back in any way. This is the very nature of love, to be boundless or universal.
And coming back to this body and even this Zoom meeting, you can slowly open the eyes and see if you can keep sensing the tenderness of the heart even as you leave the meditation space and even though we have as our computer screen just a sense of all these human beings sharing the Zoom space together imagining the truth it's not easy for all of us, each of us to be a human being May wisdom and love protect us all. And any pets and other people in your living space, in other rooms, just how maybe easy it is, relatively speaking, for the heart to include them, even our neighbors, even our noisy neighbors. knowing that it isn't easy being human beings. And the birds and the trees and the spiders on the wall, all creatures, may you be at ease tonight. May wisdom and love protect you too. Take a moment, adjust your body if you need to. Whoops, thanks for the note. <laughs> I realized I was on mute. Forget how long it's been. <laughs> but I was talking for a while, just so you know. <laughs> but probably the way you were practicing was better than what I was saying, so we'll hope for that. Great. Well, the last thing I mentioned was just, you know, as we were coming out of the sit, just to sense the people in the the Zoom room. So we can do that now. And just realize as we're looking here on the Zoom screen, and then in the rooms around us, and the other apartments or homes around us, so that we're learning to bring this tenderizing thing we did during the formal meditation we're actually, we want to learn to live in that tender-hearted way. Sometimes I jokingly call it, we want to be uh, willing to be broken-hearted, the walking wounded, that that's actually um, a powerful, empowered way of living, to have this sort of broken-hearted, tender-hearted, as opposed to feeling like the only way to survive is to be armored. And clearly, there are reasons why we shut down. And sometimes that's the only strategy we have to survive. It's just too much, too intense. But when we're fortunate, when we're privileged enough to have enough safety, like maybe tonight for some of you or all of you, then we practice putting down the armor And we really sense that natural capacity of the heart to include more and more, more and more of our own suffering, more and more of the suffering of the world, and to relate to it in that generous way. I may not have answers, but I care. I care enough to feel what it feels like to be open. I care enough to wish well for myself and wish well for others. I care enough to include include everything. And that, we realize, is a powerful way to live a human life. Just like it's not a workable strategy 
to close down. It's totally understandable that we close down. So I don't want to judge myself or judge others when that's the best we can do is shut down, close down, distract ourselves or whatever it might be. But when we, when we have sort of support, then that's the time to find another way. And really the definition of love and compassion, it's that understanding, that way of relating that isn't confused, like with compassion, it isn't confused by suffering, isn't thrown off balance by suffering doesn't mean that we don't feel touched by suffering. It just means the mind, the heart, isn't confused by that exposure, by the intensity of what it feels like. Some of you, I'm assuming, are parents. I'm not. But um, I can imagine it's really hard to watch your child suffer, you know, like when they're being teased at school or something like that. And you know how much that hurts. And sometimes there's something you can say and do, but sometimes there's nothing really you can say and do except to be loving. To be like we're sort of there with our child or with a friend who's really hurting. And what we're doing is we're practicing not being afraid of their suffering because they've got to learn how to not be afraid of their suffering. So as a friend or as a parent, we're right there to whatever degree we sense their exposure, their suffering. Then we practice like being aware. And what gives us that stability is that powerful wish, may wisdom and love protect us always. So it's some sense of just because it hurts intensely, just because the mind doesn't know what to do, just because there's a lot of anger or a lot of loneliness or a lot of whatever we're feeling or the other person's feeling, doesn't mean I have to shut down. I have to close down. And this is what what love sort of helps us uncover It's kind of the active side of wisdom. You know, a lot of people, even sometimes in a judgmental way, they kind of boo-hoo the Buddhist teachings because it sounds like the sum total of what the Buddha is saying is like, yeah, there's suffering, but you can be really cool with suffering, you know, as if, as in the sense of being distant. But but really the... The expression of wisdom, the whole point of wisdom is that we can take it on the road into breakup, into really exciting times, into really devastating times. And that that capacity to be even and intimate and sensitive, then what allows us to navigate all the different terrain of life, it's that if it's the different attitudes of love appreciative joy when things are beautiful, tender-hearted compassion when things are painful, equanimity, that sort of radiant equanimity when things are confusing and ambiguous, friendliness pervading all the time. So we're going to have some open discussion time now. And as I mentioned early on, you know, we, just as being human beings, sensitive human beings, by default, we basically are learning this simple lesson, closing down doesn't really work as a long-term strategy. Opening up with these different qualities of love actually is functional in a very straightforward, practical way. And we can share our learnings, both like how residing in a closed state, an aversive state, for example, like sharing how that arose and how it didn't help, (laughs) in the long run at least, doesn't mean that anger is bad. And remember, there are very loud versions of love. 
intense, loud, expressive versions of love. So let's let's not say a lot of people think when when from a Buddhist context we say that anger isn't the way. They say, well, you know, sometimes you need anger to get stuff done. And I would just call that, I wouldn't use the word anger, because when I use the word anger, I mean an attitude of mind that is planting seeds of suffering. So I would call that fierce compassion or loud compassion, compassionate action when we have to speak things that might rock the boat or might cause someone to hurt a little bit, but in the long run, it's really in the direction of healing needed to be said. But I wouldn't call that hate or anger. I would call that somebody saying what needed to be said. And sometimes we have to say that in really loud voice. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.